Hello and welcome to another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thank you so much for listening. This is where I have conversations with people who are living life on their own terms. We dive into those big moments that have pushed them through the fears and self-limiting beliefs that hold so many of us back. Now, this is going to be the final new episode for 2017. As there have been a whole stack of new listeners over the past few months, I thought it would be a good idea from next week to start the Live Immediately Summer Series, which is where I'm going to dive into the vault for a few weeks and pull out some past episodes that I know you'll love. If you've been with me through the years, firstly, thank you so much, but I know you'll love revisiting and listening to some old favorites too. As it is Christmas, and I know you've all been thinking about what you could get me, well, I'd love a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. If you could give me five minutes of your time to rate and review this podcast, I'd be super thankful, like I am for everyone who has already done so. I hope you and your family have a super fun time over the festive season. Whether that is playing in the snow if you're in the Northern Hemisphere or doing what I'm sure I'll be doing most days, playing at the beach. Whatever it is, I hope it is full of love and laughter. On that note, I've decided to unplug from technology and social media for a few weeks from December 23. Not that I'm on it that much, but I can't wait to see how much more connected I am in real life over the period from not being online. The summer series will still be happening as mentioned, but I'll be pre-programming that before I switch off. You never know, maybe you might want to have a digital detox with me over Christmas as well. But on to today's episode, and living smallish can sometimes be a challenge, as you need to intentionally think about each item you have and be considerate to which new items you bring into your life. It is even more challenging when you throw a husband and four children into the mix. But that is the beautiful challenge my guest today, Evelyn Rennick, lives each and every day. I love Evelyn's story as her minimal way of life is one that started from a financial need, but became one that she fully embraced. Evelyn and I dive into many topics in this episode, learning from difficult times, the work involved with being intentional, and how living minimally can help with that feeling of being buried by the pace of life. We also discuss family and the effect a cluttered home has on our children, cluttering up our calendar, gift giving at Christmas time, protecting the white space in your life, and holding on to things loosely, a phrase I absolutely love. Evelyn is a loving mother who works things out the best way she can for a family. I hope you enjoy this lovely conversation with Evelyn Rennick. Hi, Evelyn. How are you? Hi, Mike. I'm doing fine. That is good. And whereabouts in this beautiful world do I find you today? I am in Colorado, USA. Nice. Whereabouts in Colorado? I live in Colorado Springs. Okay. Where... We... Sorry, I was, well, was, was going to say, we actually stayed in Breckenridge when we were um, on our big family adventure through North America. Um, so, we, yeah, we stayed in Breckenridge for spring and we're hiking around um, the Rocky Mountains there. I absolutely love Colorado. 
It's a wonderful place. Yeah, Breckenridge is so much fun. There's so much to do there, and the views are outstanding. And I actually, I found, you know, we're kind of on a weird tangent here, but Colorado, it was, I felt like a really healthy state. You know, every state in America is so individually different. But when we got mm-hmm. to Colorado, we just found that the um, the food was a little bit kind of fresher and greener, and, and it wasn't as... Um, I guess deep fried. My, in, in saying that, we were coming from Wisconsin, where they they deep fries chi- they deep fries fried cheese. But um, yes. everyone was kind of <laughs> out and about, and it was active, and people were riding their bikes. And um, yeah, it was a, a beautiful state. You hit us on the nose. That's yeah. us. Oh. We're always outside, and we like to hike. And I mean, that's just Colorado is a very healthy state, and we're blessed to have a, a ton of sunshine. Um, just we don't get kind of bad weather very often, so it, it makes it easy on us yeah. to be outside. All. I think to in Breckenridge, they, they said that they get 300 sunny days a year, even though they have snow. So it's just kind of yep. s- snows at nighttime, which is <laughs> which is perfect. But um, but let's yeah. get let's get into the chat today. And I was super excited to have you on Evalon. Um, Evalon. <laughs> I was super <laughs> I was super excited to have you on the podcast today, Evelyn. Because not only have you embraced a minimalist lifestyle, you know, living more with less and really being intentional about how you want to live your life, but you're doing this as a family of six, which I find like so inspiring because I feel that, that, that's, that so often we, we kind of put our, our family size or the, the, the kids, um, at the front of our kind of excuse list of why we can't do certain things. And I love it that you're, uh-huh. you're on this, this crazy journey with, with such a big family. And, and I know there's so many things that we will unpack today, but to start us off, can you take me back and tell me how life, you know, what life was like for you before you started living more intentionally and, and what was the driving force behind that change? Yeah, Absolutely. Um, our story is, is a little bit different in that we didn't necessarily decide that we wanted to live a simpler life and then just, you know, blaze out on this path. Um, we actually downsized when we found out that we were pregnant with our first son. And the reason for that was primarily financial. We um, we didn't want to have to put our, our son in childcare. We wanted to figure out a way that we could um, balance watching him together. And that just meant cutting our costs. Um, so it was, it was really the, the driving force was financial and it was just wanting to make sure that, that we got the, um, most amount of family time that we possibly could. Um, and we just, we didn't want to fall into that rut of, of working more to, you know, have a big house to, um, and then having to put our kids in childcare while we were working. It just, it didn't make sense to us. Um, and that, that is very much the way most of, um, I don't know, I would say, uh, America goes these days is just mm. kind of that's where our, our culture takes us. Um, I would say a lot of Western cultures, and um, so so our journey is a little bit different in that that's I mean we started to downsize when I was pregnant with our first son, and we really thought it would just be for one year. Um, we imagined that you know we hey we'll downsize to a small apartment, it'll be a fun little year experiment, and then we'll just move back into our normal sized mm. house and go on with our lives is really kind of the way we pictured this journey when we started. So, so that's really interesting because you, in a sense, created change before there was, before you felt like you needed to create change. 
you kind of in in a way you, you you took yourself out of that um you know maybe that spiral that rat race that we sometimes call it before mm-hmm. you had really immersed yourself in it yeah you could put it that way we just we just knew we didn't want to go down that road and so we we found a way to to make it happen um so we moved to a, a, a small, just teeny little basement, a one-bedroom apartment. It was 450 square feet. And like I said, we really thought we'd only be there for one year and then just kind of go back on with normal life. But we ended up staying there for five years oh, wow. and bringing home three of our children to that apartment. <laughs> so, okay, so talk me through that. Like you're in this this tiny basement apartment where mm-hmm. you were originally just going to maybe be there for a year. You end up staying there for five years. You raise, you, you bring home three out of your four children there. Mm-hmm. What, what was it that I guess made you stay? That's a super question. Um, I would say God, because I, I tried so hard to move out every year. And, you know, we would, we would tell the landladies that our, our lease is up and when we're moving out, but just cer- certain circumstances every year kept us in and, and made us reevaluate. And we just realized, okay, yeah, we're just not in a place to move out yet. Mm-hmm. Um, every every year, every time the lease was up, I was just, I mean, one year we told the landladies that we were moving out. And shortly after that, my husband lost his job. Wow. And shortly after that, then we found out we were pregnant with our third child. And, you know, you look at that and you realize, okay, I, I guess we'll just, I mean, the wise thing was to just stay put. Mm-hmm. So my hardworking husband worked temporary jobs and, you know, small contracts just to keep us afloat. And um, God God was gracious to us during that year. You know, it was it was rough, but it's, a, it's amazing looking back on the lessons we learned in that season. Um, God was so gracious to us and we were, we were always wonderfully provided for ahead of time. But, you know, beyond that, I would say that my love of living simply and, and minimalism really um, just grew on us. So we started living in that apartment. And then after that first year, I mean, I had to fight really hard to balance contentment and then to see the, see the value and the blessings of living with less. Mm-hmm. And um, as, I, as I fought hard and, and really dug deep and, and prayed for that contentment, it came and um, and that's when I really started to embrace minimalism and really realized, you know what, this is working for our family. And this is, um, I felt I felt freer and I felt more focused in that little space. And I mean, frankly, our family didn't know any better. You know, it was mm. it was just lived as a family. So, so um, you, you touched on you know two interesting points there about you know one. I guess eventually kind of coming to that realization of how you were content in a way with being more minimal and the lessons you learned from there, but also I guess those original struggles that kind of made you want to potentially move out, you know, what, what was some of the, what were some of the challenges, I guess, having at, at that stage, what two kids and, and you and your husband in, in a small place, what were some of the challenges that kind of made you want to escape to a, a bigger place? Um, this, uh, just the room for my kids to kind of play and run was one of them. They had a very, we had a very small, just kind of living room area. Um, and you know, they would get really stir crazy. So on the cold days or the days where we did have bad weather, um, it was difficult to kind of keep them preoccupied and, and that energy reigned in. 
um, especially when, when the boy energy would come and they would just kind of want to wrestle and run and bounce off the walls. Um, and another one is we've always had all of our children share a room and, and they still do all four of our children do share a room, but, um, the walls were very thin. And so we'd put them down for a nap and then I'd have to basically like, I was forced to kind of just brew a cup of tea and like sit <laughs> because <laughs> if I did, I mean, if I tried to do the dishes, if I tried to clean, I mean, I would wake them up with any, mm. um, any noises. So things like that just made me think life would be so much easier if we lived di- in a different spot. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? They were blessings. Those were those were blessings that I learned to unwrap because, um, first of all, it got us out a lot. We mm-hmm. didn't have a whole lot of space in our living room, so we spent a lot of time outside. And even now, we use our backyard as an extension of our living space. Yeah, and, and then, I guess, moving forward to, I guess, un- as, you, as you call them, understanding those blessings in disguise, what were, what were some of the things that you learned about yourself and your family being contained in a small place? That's a good question. Um, I learned that I learned that although it was difficult, that we could do it and we could do it with grace. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned that you know what we liked living with less stuff. We had stored a large chunk of our belongings, mostly because we thought we were you know this was just going to be a one year thing and we'd be out. So we kept a lot of our stuff initially. And um, we learned that, gosh, we didn't really need mm. anything. We couldn't even remember what was in our storage unit by the time those f- almost five years were up. And when we did get all of that storage unit stuff out and we ended up donating about 75% of it because we just it was it was completely unnecessary. It was not essential. Um, so I would say the biggest one was we just we liked living in a small space because it was less to keep clean. Mm. We liked living with less stuff because it was less to manage and. We liked being together as a family. It's so true. We have so many items that are just not essential, but we feel they are. Yes. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. But currently, so in in the the small little basement um, apartment, you've moved out of that at the moment, though, correct? Yes. Two two and a half years ago, we moved into um, a, a modest house, and it is actually smaller than the first house that we started with. The first home we bought was 1,300 square feet. We now live in a thousand square foot home, um, which is very modest, but it fits us like a glove mm-hmm. and it has a backyard and a garage. So it has kind of all the pieces that we need to live a full life. And I guess too, like, w- were they some things that you learned as well, where sometimes we downsize and go, you know what, a, you know, a, a bigger backyard or, or a garage, these are, these are useful spaces that we would actually, that would improve our life. Absolutely. And there were there were two things about we called our apartment the shoebox because it was just so tiny. So there were two things about the shoebox that we really missed. And one was um, a workspace for my husband. He is a woodworker and he is extremely creative and he loves projects. So that was a large piece um, for his just soul um, that was missing in the shoebox to have a place to really work with wood and do the projects that that were coming up in his head. So now he has a workshop and that is hugely life giving to him. And then secondly, the one thing that told me, okay, it, it was time to move out of the shoebox was when my third daughter arrived, we could no longer all sit together around our table. And um, that's very, family meals are very important to us. We sit down and eat three times a day as a family. And, um, you know, we it was, it was difficult to do that when one of us had to kind of balance a kid on one knee, you know, and one of us is starting to feed another kid with a spoon. And, you know, it's just chaotic. So, um, 
that was the other piece was we were ready for just a big table that we that could really anchor us mm-hmm. um, as we ate our meals and and had our family time around the table. So yes, those are two two pieces that we realized were really important to us. Yeah, definitely. When when your kids can't fit at the um, at the family table, it is t- it is time to upgrade. That's true. Yeah, that's true. You may have to stack them in and stuff. It's kind of it's time to move. Well, I, I, I guess with – and it's, it's one of the beautiful things about the, the journey that you've been on is you've, it's evolved as your family has grown. And it's not, mm-hmm. like, it's not like, well, you wanted to change everything and you started here and then you did this and then you did this. It was just, I guess, one of those – those natural footprints that you created as, as your family was getting bigger. Mm-hmm. And like with that, what are some of the things that you feel that you've, I guess, evolved into over the time? That's a, that's a fun question. Cause, um, you know, looking back, we were just downsizing cause we kind of had to. Um, and so that first year was really, we looked at it as just kind of a fun adventure. And that second year was really difficult for me cause I, cause I really had to fight for that gratitude and, um, and fight for the contentment to still be here uh, or in that shoebox. Um, it didn't, minimalism and, and living with less and realizing that we truly liked it probably didn't hit us around sometime that in that second year. And then from year two to kind of year five was when I really started um, experimenting with the idea of minimalism and living with less. And that's when I started smallish to um, to really just chronicalize our, our journey and what I was learning and, and what God was doing in my heart as we were really starting to value the blessings of less. And um, so it really went from just, and eh, we have to downsize to, hey, we're already doing this cool thing called minimalism. Mm-hmm. We're doing that. That's fun. Um, but it wasn't until actually we moved out of the shoebox that I was able to embrace that term minimalism and really own it for myself. Um, mostly because even though we lived in such a tiny space. I didn't feel like I could really, I, I don't know, adopt the term minimalism for myself. It, it felt kind of like an elitist term, like, you know, cause we still had a storage unit of stuff and it just didn't quite fit. And, um, even now, I mean, I still, I sometimes even still squirm when I use it mm. cause I look around my house and sometimes I don't feel like a minimalist. Um, and I kind of have to talk myself back into that and say, no, but I am, I'm always searching for the minimum level and you know, everyone's minimalism looks different. So I think you've, uh, you've, you've, you've touched on a really interesting top, uh, you know, topic there about, to be honest, I never call myself a minimalist. I, um, it's a, it's a label that sometimes is easily, I can use it as a descriptive term because people kind of get it. Um, but it's interesting that you talk about there that everyone's minimal way of living or everyone's idea of living with less or everyone's idea of slow living, whichever kind of badge you want to give it, is, yeah. com- is completely different. And, and, so some- different. and sometimes I feel that now minimalism is just a new thing that people are competing with where that's, that's completely against kind of the ethos of why, why I started in the first place. And I'm sure kind of similar to you. Like, why do you think that is? That's a good question. I think it's because it's such a buzz right now. I mean, it's such a buzz and, um, and so many different demographics are hitting it. I know that, 
you know, the baby, baby, baby boomers here in the, in the States and the empty nesters are really all starting to downsize. But at the same time, all of the millennials are finding this beauty and wanting to live with less and, and we um, value freedom. And I think it's just such a cool thing right now to, to jump on the minimalist board that, um, that, yeah, I do have a little bit of reservations about that too. I mean, for us, it really is just, we want to be intentional with what we own and how we spend our time and how we pour into our children's lives and, and the lives around us. And, um, it really boils down to just, just intentionally living, um, with, with what we have and, and, um, and our choices. Mm-hmm. But, um, but you're right. Every single, every single person's the way they they live that out is going to look so different because we all have different values in mm. ways and and our flavors of this yeah you're right intentional living or slow living however you want to put it so much of it dovetails it's it's all so similar in a lot of ways you know mm. no i so. i 100% agree with that and i i guess too like you you have enabled some some big life changing ways of living within your life and a lot of them are you know against the norm you know having four kids and having them all share a room um for kids that sounds like the the perfect dream where some parents might go wow that's my worst nightmare um because if one kid (laughs) wakes up they all might wake up and but i i feel too that like some people might want to create a shift in their life but they feel a little bit stuck you know, why do you think some people feel stuck in the way that they're they're living life now, even though in their heart of hearts they kind of want to create that change? That's a big question. Um, I would say I know a lot of people these days just feel buried and and um, suffocated almost by, by too much stuff and by the pace of their lives. And I know I talk to a lot of my friends just, I mean, here in the States and they all just feel completely powerless to stop this stuff and to, to, to declutter their home and to choose less and to choose to stop the pace of life. Um, but they really, truly feel powerless. Like, like they, there's, they have no choice. Mm. Um, which is hard because, you know, the fact of the matter is we do. And, and, um, sometimes it just takes a little bit, a lot of, a lot of work, um, and, and a lot of intentionality. But, um, I think, I think a lot of families are, are waking up and realizing, hold on, life isn't exactly going the way I really pictured or the way my soul is screaming the way I want it to go. And um, intentional living and, and choosing to slow down and just choosing to live with less is really one vehicle. And for me, I've found a he- I mean, maybe the best vehicle for finding that life that they, that they really imagine. Mm. Were there any things that I, I guess, not that you did initially, but like things that you do continuously? Because you, you touched on a topic there about like that continuous work. It's not about... Once you kind of purge things, you then arrive at this place where clutter just doesn't develop again. Like it, it's it's continuously there. Like are there things that you do to, you know, I, I don't know whether it's each day or each week or whatever, but certain things that you do to be able to maintain your lifestyle? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think this is something that everyone approaches kind of differently too um, because, I mean, you're right. I mean, stuff does come into your home and, you know, opportunities for cluttering up your calendar do come along. Mm -hmm. And every day we have a choice, you know, do we want to say yes to that or no to that? Is that going to bless my life or is it not? And, 
Um, for our family, I don't do like big, big purges, mostly because I look around my house and I was even thinking today, if we wanted to do a garage sale, I'm not sure that we'd have enough stuff to really, really support that. Um, so, so our life really is, is more like a revolving door. I mean, things come in and things go out. I don't have a really hard and fast, like one in one out rule. Um, it's more just, I'm, I'm constantly evaluating what I see around our living space and thinking, okay, do we genuinely still need that? Is it serving us or is it really time to let that go? Um, so, and, and the kids are kind of, they kind of do it too. They kind of know, I'll ask them every once in a while, hey, I haven't seen you guys play with this toy. Are you ready to let this go? And sometimes they'll all say, yes, let's donate it. And sometimes they'll say, oh, no, 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 no. We still really play with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and generally I honor that and say, okay, we'll, you know, keep it around for another three months and, and see if it's serving us then. Um, so we, I, I call it the revolving door. It really is just kind of some stuff comes in and some tough stuff comes out. And I'm sometimes, I don't know, my husband and I kind of take turns being a little bit more stickler about saying, no, like, let's not bring that into our house. Um, it just, I guess, depends on our moods and who's feeling a little more stressed at the, <laughs> stressed at the moment. But, but you, you, also in, you also said something there about cluttering up your calendar. And I reckon that is a, such an important thing that often gets overlooked when we talk about minimalism and living with less. We, we straight away go to the items in our life. But when we are, you know, feeling overwhelmed or, or busy or buried, as, as you kind of said earlier on, a lot of that has to do with our engagement and, and the, the busyness of our calendar and where, what we feel like we're obligated to do. How have, how have you, I guess saying no is, is so easy, but how have you been able to, I guess, ensure that your calendar, so not your, not your home, but your calendar doesn't get cluttered? Uh, we're very intentional with, with the activities we choose to be a part of and the ones we say no to. Um, we are a home educating family at this point, so that does give us a little bit of freedom. Um, we don't have all the school activities and all of the um, extracurricular activities to um, that that will that kind of pull us in the way more established schools do. Um, so that's one thing that makes it a little bit easier for us to keep our calendar open, and we have a little bit more margin in our lives to choose kind of what we want to be a part of and what we don't. So. Um, for extracurricular and kind of more sporting things, we tend to just sign the kids all up for the same thing at once, which makes it really easy for Dan and I, because <laughs> we can just, you know, take them to swimming lessons all at the same time. We get them done and, and we're finished. So it, we, we haven't gotten to that stage of life yet. And maybe we never will where, you know, each kid has both a sporting event and a music lesson, you know, every day of the week. And that just, that doesn't interest us. And, um, so I think as we go forward, we'll just be intentional about the activities that we choose to put on our calendar um, so that we can really protect that white space and that margin in our lives that um, does give us the breathing room for our souls to really thrive. It's mm, so true. And like, how have you found your kids? Like, I know that they haven't, ex- they, they, they don't know any different. They've always kind of lived in, in these smallish places. But how do you think it's really shaped them growing up in, in a small place? Um, that will be such an interesting question to answer in a, in a few years. And I, um, I, I pray that they will, um, be just have a deep set gratitude for, um, for what they have. And I really hope that as they grow older, the sharing a room will, um, help them to have strong friendships as siblings even. Um, but right, de- right now I can definitely say that, I mean, they are aware of, the fact that we do own fewer toys and that we are more intentional about what we bring into our home and what we don't. 
um, just because that's part of our everyday family dialogue. Mm. You know, we're in a store and, and they think something's cool. Oftentimes we'll have a conversation about that. And, um, you know, do you think it's a wise decision or things like that? So um, at this point, I would just say they're young, but they are definitely aware that that what we choose to bring into our home and what we choose to put on our calendar um, is is something we're very intentional about. And we don't just kind of take things, you know, everything with open arms, but we do kind of guard areas of our lives um, kind of fiercely at times. Yeah, it's interesting. So, so yeah. I was yeah. just going to say the your terminology there of like guarding that that space. And it's mm-hmm. so true. Like often when we just allow things to enter our house or our calendar, we're, we're kind of not protecting the things that we, we cherish and love the most, which might be just some quiet quality time with our family. That's so true. And I mean, that's, we value that so highly, just being together as a family and cultivating friendships. But, but you know, also when, when we as parents protect our home from, from clutter and, and letting it get just completely out of hand, you know, we really are in so many ways protecting our children's mental um, growth. And I mean, they're, they're just mental state. I don't know if you've seen some of the recent studies that have come out about, you know, um, just the how the the just breakneck crazy speed of life really does affect children's psyches and also how much even just having a cluttered home and and too much stuff creates too many decisions for kids and that's also creating stress in their tiny little lives so Mm. we as parents i mean in a way we have this this wonderful responsibility to guard that for them to to make the home be a safe and calm and um, and slow p- place where they can really be free to um, respond and and to really think about think about life and I, I don't know give them that childhood gift of um, of really being able to process what they're learning. Does that make any sense at all? One hundred percent. I think too. It's it's a, it's giving them the space to actually think and question things instead uh-huh. of instead of just kind of numbingly going going through life on default mode yes exactly which is what so many of us as adults do and we don't like it (laughs) we don't want it exactly so true indeed but like are there there some things like if someone's listening to this going you know what i maybe i don't want to put all my kids in in one room and get them to share that but i I do want to you know downsize or or live a little bit more smallish are there are there certain maybe i don't know whether tips is the right word but are are there some things that you know now that you wish you knew when you with kind of starting out? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I would say don't worry about, you know, the, the pretty pictures that Instagram puts up and don't, don't worry about the word minimalism and the, the expectations of the culture around you, even though now culture is kind of enamored with this idea of, of you know, living a little more starkly even. Um, I would say don't let that get to you. Write, write down on a piece of paper, you know, what are the three biggest stressors in your home, whether it's clutter, whether it's, you know, I'm just, I'm too busy, or whether it's, I just, I don't feel, I feel anxious all the time. And then try to journal that out and and figure out, okay, so what areas in my home do I need to, to work on? I always say fix because in areas, areas of my home kind of take turns, just not working. (laughs) And I, you know, I'm like, okay, this, this closet isn't working for me anymore. And that means I need to either, you know, rework it or, or move that stuff to a different place. And, and that's been one characteristic of, of living small for me is, you know, a spot just doesn't work anymore. And I kind of have to just re redesign it or, you know, move that spot to a, 
somewhere else. Um, but the same thing can, can go for lives, you know, see if there's a spot that isn't working or what are those stressors in your home and then really just focus on those areas. And after you, you know, it is such a journey because after you tackle those big, those three big stressors, you know, whether it is just, oh, I have too much stuff on my calendar or gosh, I just, my mudroom isn't working for me. There are too many shoes. Once you fix those areas, then the new areas will pop up and you'll be given the grace and the momentum to tackle those new areas. And it really will just flow, but at your own pace and um, in your own in your own way with your own flavor, not, you know, someone else's or, or what the idea of minimalism puts into your head. Does that make sense? Uh, most definitely. And it's true where you talk about then it being, you know, a continuous process because it's not that you you get your house perfect. And then that, yeah. and it stays like that. Like life is forever changing, which is which is what makes it so beautiful. But I like there too how you talk about things just not working. Um, and for us right now, there's our, our daughter. She loves arts and crafts, and and you know my my wife is a amazingly talented graphic designer and illustrator. So that's obviously where Andy gets it from because. I make stick people look fat, but she, she, <laughs> she, uh, she does so much, so much art and craft and she can spend, you know, hours making something for us. And she's poured her whole heart into there. And, you know, there's the family drawings and she's got love hearts everywhere. So this is like her way of telling us that how much, you know, Ingrid and I mean to her. But, oh, then, I love it. but then we put it on the pile with the other 12 that we, she kind of gave us, you know, a couple of hours yeah. earlier and it's like, the wow, past three hours, yeah. yeah, what, <laughs> what, what can, what can we do with these? Cause you don't kind of want to just put them straight into the bin and I know you can't keep them all. And, and then they kind of make their way into like the top drawer because we want to get them off the bench. And then that top drawer just isn't working for me. And, but then what do I do? And it like, it's, it is that continuous thing. And, and then one day I'm like, okay, cool. I've nailed it. We're keeping these, the, the two best. But yeah. then after, you know, a couple of months pass, the two best of every single day start adding up as well. And yeah, it's, it's interesting. We have the exact same like rhythm with arts and crafts in our house too, which is why I'm laughing. Cause it's just, it's identical. They go to the kitchen counter and we like ooh and ah over them on the fridge for a couple days. And then I say, okay, it's time to clear the fridge. And we put them all in the recycle bin and we start over. It's mm. just, <laughs> I think that's just life with kids in so many ways. Yeah, it is true. You, you, you open the fridge and you open the fridge and then like f five art drawings fall to the ground and then you're frustrated. <laughs> cause, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but uh, we, we do, for all those kids listening, we do love your artwork. We really do deep down. Um, <laughs> but I, I guess with that, you know, you, you spoke before about the revolving door and it's not so much a one in one out, but other, uh, you know, and apart from, I guess, just being intentional because yeah, that's really the, the key theme here, but are there things that you do to prevent clutter kind of coming into your house? Because for me, that was one of the, the biggest lessons I learned was, hey, you can, you might be able to purge the items in your house but if you just kind of keep topping it up it's it's a it's a tiring game it's all for me that that lesson of of stopping things coming into the house was um was a big one but are there any things that, that you do to help prevent things coming into your home um we sometimes say no if we need to or if we if we really feel like it's just something that we really can't have in our house but I would say, and this goes back to that revolving door idea, more often than not, we say like, okay, sure. What I mean, depending on what it is, I'm trying to think if it's like a party favor from a birthday or, you know, um, 
let's see, sometimes we'll say no to the, if, if we eat out those little, you know, toys that they, or books that they give out and kids meals, things like that. We don't do those very often either. So that, you know, if you just don't buy kids meals, they don't offer you the toys. So that makes that easy. Um, let's see, last Christmas we did actually specifically ask our family um, to not give our children toys. And um, I ended up giving them just one small little, I don't know, figurine, mostly because after I wrote the family, I kind of felt a little guilty. So I actually went out and bought my kids a little toy. Ridiculous. But, you know, it's a journey. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, We can own it. But um, instead, we asked them to maybe donate towards family activities. And that was really fun Um, and really life giving for the entire year because we got to do a lot of fun things this year. as, as a result of that. So that was one thing that it took a lot of courage to ask your family, you know, please, could you do this instead? And, and I have, my family's very supportive of our lifestyle. So, um, that does make it easy. Um, is but, your, is your family quite different to your lifestyle? Um, they are different, but they are very supportive mm-hmm. and add, um, and, and they admire how we live. So that makes it easy. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's I know where, um, with me, like my mother, like she gets so much enjoyment out of seeing, you know, my daughter say open a present, and uh-huh. and when, and it's it's sometimes challenging when I'm like, oh, mom, Andy actually needs X Y Z, or you know, can we you know do an experience instead of um, a present? And I, uh-huh. I, sometimes I feel a bit guilty because then my mum misses out. You know, when Andy opens a, I don't know, a gift voucher to go to see a play, like. She she enjoys it, but it's not the same excitement as I don't know, not the same. opening yeah. a, a a container of a thousand and one bits of arts and craft. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And it's yeah. So it's then true. then I feel yeah. kind of guilty because I'm kind of <clears throat> I'm depriving my mother of of her joy in a way. Exactly, and that's why last Christmas was really just an experiment. I just wanted to know, you know, could we do this and and still have a a great Christmas? And we really did, but. I mean, I always tell people, so many people trade their, their love expression in gifts. And so for us to say, no, please don't do that, really does just put, I mean, it, it, um, it makes it difficult in some ways and, and does not value them and the way they express their love. So we always accept gifts very graciously and we smile and we say thank you and um, we bring those items home. We appreciate them. And a lot of times then at that point, whether it's it's gifts for the kids or whether it's something that a friend gave to me out of, I mean, a very generous, loving heart, but I just don't feel like I, you know, need it or want to keep it. Um, sometimes I'll, I'll hang on to it for a day or two and just kind of thank her. And, and um, I don't know, sometimes I'll leave it around and just say a prayer for that person every time I see it. Um, and then maybe after a couple of days, I'll say, okay, it's time to go. Um, and I, and I will donate that item. But so we, this is why we kind of just hold things loosely, I guess we will allow things to come in because to say no, I mean, really it just could break someone's heart. So, so we, we say, thank you. We, we accept gifts very graciously. And then a lot of times we'll, we'll really look at, at our toys or, or clothing or what we need and, and we'll go ahead and maybe rotate the things that are a little older or we don't appreciate as much out, um, and uh, that has served us really well. And I know that any parent will say, I mean, that week after a birthday when there are new toys in the house, I mean, sometimes it can be really peaceful because they have new toys to play with. And they're <laughs> excited, right? I mean, no parent wants to deny themselves that either. So it's, um, you know, it's a very personal thing, but we choose to generally just accept gifts. 
I like that term you used to hold things loosely. Um, I think that's, that's, that's going to be a term that I will try to uh, embrace as well. So when things come in, it doesn't mean it's forever and you can just hold them loosely and you can let them go um, nice and easy as well. But um, Evelyn, I have one final question that I want to ask you today and it is one that I ask all of my guests and that's if you could please describe your perfect day. Oh, wow. Um, you know, this might be a weird answer, Mike, but I'm going to say a day without conflict would mm-hmm. probably be the over overarching answer. But whatever that day would look like, it would mean that I was somewhat productive and I got to spend peaceful time with my family and we got to be outside a little bit. And I got to spend maybe a little bit of time with a friend or chat with a friend on the phone. And we ate good food. I mean, I can't think of anything better. Happy days. Yeah. (laughs) Nice and simple, which is how life, I think, was intended to be lived. Mm. Well, thank you Absolutely. so thank you so much for your time, Evelyn. And you know, I, I you know, as I kind of said at the beginning, I find it so inspiring that you've been able to do this with such a big family. Because I know that sometimes, you know, as I said earlier, we we allow kids to be maybe the excuse of why we kind of can't do things or we we blame kids for why we are busy and we're running after school and all of those kinds of things where at the end of the day, we are the ones in, in control of that and, and we, we can change. Even though sometimes that, that, that change is hard, um, you're so inspirational because you've, you've kind of been able to do that. But if people do want to reach out to you and, and learn a little bit more about you or, or maybe even ask some questions, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, thank you, Mike. That was very gracious. Um, we I blog at smallishblog.com, which is kind of where we share stories of, of life and um, my meditations on that. I have a Facebook page at just um, Facebook slash smallishblog and also a Twitter account where I also post relevant articles and random thoughts. Beautiful. <laughs> nice articles and, and random thoughts is, uh, is a... Um a great place to, to, to learn, I believe. We, we, <laughs> we learn so much from the random thoughts. But hey, we're all figuring it out together, right? <laughs> 100%. But I will make sure that all of those links are in the show notes at liveimmediately.com. Is there anything that I've missed out or, or any final words that you'd like to say before we, we part ways here? Oh, I can't think of any, Mike. You did a great job directing and great questions. Thank you. Uh, thank you kindly, Evelyn. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And until next time... Have fun and live immediately. That was another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thanks so much for listening. The original Live Immediately theme music is by the multi-talented Timothy McPhee. You can check out his music at firekites.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed the show, had some fun, and maybe even learned something, then make sure you subscribe via iTunes. And while you're there, why not leave a rating and a review? You know it's going to make my day. Thanks for stopping by and giving me some of your time today. I'll catch you on the next episode. And until then, have fun and live immediately.